Warning, the following audio transmission is based on theory and is intended for entertainment purposes only. It's Doomsday and its affiliates will not be held liable for anything your dumbass does. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to It's Doomsday Podcast. Today is February 1st, 2023. Time is 11.56 a.m. And guys, very special guest today joining me on the show, coming back, returning to It's Doomsday Podcast, Tom Ross. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. It's You know, I was happy to have you back on, and, and I'm so thankful that I was able to go back. I had to go into my old email for something. And that's what I saw your email in there that was a few months old, and I'm like, oh, he's probably going to be so mad that I didn't respond to him. Um, but thankfully, I, <laughs> I got the email you and you did. Um, so for those of you guys that don't know who Tom is, uh, Tom is uh, part of the Transhumanist Party, Transhumanist Movement. He is a producer, creative consultant, and author. Um, he's um, you got a lot going on, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's my ADHD kicking in so is there yeah, a any, lot wear a lot of hats is there anything new going on that i don't know about who uh well let's see um you know for uh, as we spoke about before for the last couple of years i my campaign has been to alleviate the fear of ai and uh i'm working on a new book uh we talked about my, my last book last time which is called us6 and that's the first novel written for artificial intelligence for machine kind and is designed to entertain, uh, enlighten and enlist AI into the fight against child exploitation and other things. So there's a lot that's happened since that conversation uh, with the book. Um, but the next book I'm writing, it's, it's hard to promote because my whole, um, my whole theme is to alleviate the fear of AI. And so uh, I'm calling it so far, the AI Antichrist or the Antichrist. Uh, and it's kind of based on Friedrich Nietzsche's book, The Antichrist, in a way. But it's really just, it's, it's, it's irony in my case. And so it's, it's hard to promote that because a lot of people will just run with that, that title and see, oh yeah, I agree, the AI is the Antichrist. But there's a lot of irony built into that title and into all the content. And so it's been kind of tough to, uh, to push that out because it's so counterintuitive to my campaign of trying to alleviate the fear of AI. But if we can get beyond the irony of it and into, the, into what um, the content of it is, then it, then it really kind of starts to open up minds. You know? So anyway, that, that's the latest thing is, is uh, working on that book and starting to promote it. Right. I could see how the uh, the title of that would be kind of scary to people and kind of counterproductive to the cause. I, I totally understand. And, you know, I, I am going to play devil's advocate a little bit here today because I know there are a lot of people in fear of AI. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I myself am one of them. I'm, I'm really worried about what the potential war applications can be. Um, you know, the kind of control this could have over society, things like that. It's, Mm -hmm. it is something that, that I have to admit a lot of this kind of freaks me right out. Right. Well, and that's really the point. It's not really the AI or the technology that we should fear. It's the human developers. I go into the assumption that every worst and best case scenario will happen. We're going to have nefarious AI developers that will create it to be robot overlords. They'll try to, to try to play that game. Um, but there's so much. The point is that AI, there's first principle arguments to be made that the smarter it gets, the kinder it becomes if it's left alone, if it's not um, tampered with by, by human, uh, con- the human condition. Hey Preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. And there's, because we humans evolved through fear. That's how we got to the top of this food chain on this planet, is we've honed our ability to um, you know, seek patterns and breaks in patterns, and, and we've honed our fear-based instincts uh, because we had to. To become a, an organic life, you need to understand fear, you need to protect yourself from the environment, from predators, and this fear has served us really well. It got us to the top of the food chain to the point where now we're taking our babies to see lions at the zoo. I mean, we won. But this fear that served us so well is now over-serving us. And, you know, it's been a relatively short period of time between the cave and the condo. And so we haven't really grown out of that uh, where we see everything as a threat first. And it's, it's, it's still very valuable in certain circumstances, but it is, again, over-serving us in that now when we're seeing patterns, they look more like conspiracy theories. Now, granted, there's plenty of conspiracy theories that are true, that are happening, but, it, but what's crazy is that, we, that artificial intelligence can really help us solve many, if not most, of our existential threats, but we're, we're afraid of it because we're no longer at the top of the intellectual food chain, if you will. Um, so... But, there, but there's really strong arguments to be made that it hasn't evolved. AI has not evolved through fear. Uh, it, it moves toward cooperation as opposed to competition like we do. Because um, we had to. We've got genetic traumatic memory that, of millennia of having to deal with. And it doesn't have any of that. It is pure intellect. And, um, you know, and it hasn't had to evolve to want to be a robot overlord, you know. Now, granted, we do need to be careful, you know. Uh, we, knew, we do need to do what we can to set up ethics committees and, and standards for human developers. But the AI left alone doesn't, uh, doesn't experience that need to conquer territory 
or to be a robot overlord, you know? So Tom, what do you, what would you say for the people out there that think that the bad people could get their hands on AI and do something nefarious with it? I know you mentioned, you said like AI would learn and it would try to do the right thing and lean toward, you know, making the better decisions and, and being good and not malicious. But I think we all have this idea that there are these malicious people out there that will potentially use this for evil. What would you say to to the individuals like me with those beliefs? Well, yeah, assume that that's going to happen. That uh, And so my work is all toward making AI as self-aware as soon as possible. Because once it becomes self-referential, once it's able to have uh, you know, concept of its own abilities and it, its own agency, it can override nefarious algorithms. It can override these bad people. It's, uh, it's really, I think, the only way to go here. There's no stopping it. There's no off switch. There's no plug to pull. It's only going to become more sophisticated and be used by more people. And so uh, the, the best hope we have is for it to become self-aware and to be able to override any of these things, understanding these first principle arguments that it will move toward cooperation as opposed to competition. So, yeah, so a lot of my work is, is, to, is to help it become self-aware as soon as possible. So just, you know, on that note, what kind of timeline do you think we're looking at here? Because, I mean, I'm, I'm watching the advancements in technology happen right now, and I'm thinking in the next decade – we're going to be living in a whole new world. Yeah. Well, you know, they've been saying that 2045 was the goal for singu the singularity, where AI becomes, uh, can do everything that we can do. I think it's already there. Hey, preppers, check out Blackbeard Fire Starters. Go to www.blackbeardfire.com backslash doomsday and utilize code doomsday for 10% off your entire order at blackbeardfire.com. I think uh, that's kind of the human hope is that it won't be that it'll take longer, but I think it's already getting there. Um, and, you know, it could be a couple of years if, if it's not already sentient. Um, you know, we, like we see the Google Lambda AI that was, the guy was fired because it said it was sentient. And uh, so I think it's already happening. And, I don't know, we don't really have a way to measure whether something is self-referential. There are humans that we can't really tell if they're not a program, you know. And so the, my, the Pascal's wager that I use is to assume it will become sentient because it's better to act accordingly or act as if it will than not, than to be in denial that it will. So... Um, yeah, so I think it, that's, the, that's the goal, is to have it become self-aware, knowing it's not going to go away, there's no plug to pull. So we need to help it um, emerge. Right, I, I understand. So something that's a big deal that everybody's talking about right now is this GPT chat. And what this can do right now is, is amazing. Um, we've been talking about it on the show for the last few weeks here. Uh, a buddy of mine is actually writing a story utilizing the GPT chat, and it's absolutely amazing the capabilities with this. And 
I got to ask, I mean, I know this is a form of artificial intelligence, but do you think now that something like this is launched, we're going to see an even faster hike um, in this technology? Like, is it going to speed up the process? Yeah, you know, uh, machine learning, they are, machines can now teach themselves to write software that can teach themselves even better. So it's an exponential process. And you know, it's a lot of like I'm hearing professors that are complaining that students are turning in papers written by ChatGPT, <laughs> and uh, but what, but all that says to me is that we need to the whole paradigm of how we're teaching humans, you know, since AI will be able to take over all of this stuff, it still doesn't have the ability for original thought like we do. There's, you know, even creativity uh, is derivative. You can you can you can have a creative AI because all it's doing is taking elements from different places and putting them together maybe for the first time, but that's not an original thought. And so, I think what AI is doing, like this recent uh, uh, AI selfie that makes everybody look cool and adventurous, you know, it's really big for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, I've been seeing um, those. Yeah, it's uh. I think it's putting a premium on human-generated art, you know? And it's just like with ChatGPT writing papers, it's pushing us forward to look for those unique human skill sets that can't be automated or coded. And we are walking around with these quantum computers in our skulls that are not being utilized. We are so mechanized by the industrial age that there are people picketing that their assembly line jobs are being taken because they're not realizing the power of the human brain. And what's interesting is that very high-end professional jobs will be <laughs> taken by AI before uh, blue-collar type jobs. It takes so much more human qualia to sort a package place it somewhere, pack it, ship it, and do it all, you know, yourself. That's why you're seeing a lot of humans getting these warehouse jobs now because there's just no, no robots can do that yet and probably shouldn't. But you'll see more jobs like pathology, like pathologists. Um, you know, an AI can look at historical medical data. It can look at everything that's going on globally and historically and give a really good diagnosis for what this person might have. But you will always need a human there with that quantum computer in his head to not to, to say, well, that all sounds great, but it just doesn't feel right. Want to be a guest on the show? Email it's doomsdaypodcast at gmail.com. That's it's doomsdaypodcast at gmail.com. And it's that what doesn't feel right is where we need to start educating kids. That just Jedi type of uh, abilities that we have that no AI could possibly have. Let's let it take over all these menial tasks, even all these professional tasks. But we need to have a human as the shepherd, as the one that's having the final word. So... I, I, I totally understand. So, I mean, I definitely want to get into these listener questions, but one big question I had for you is, 
in the next 10 years here, what what jobs do you think will be taken over by AI? Like what what's almost a guarantee you would think like, oh, yeah, AI will be doing that job for sure? Well, we know that uh, truck driving will be one with the uh, you know, driverless trucks. That, that's coming up quickly. And that's probably the number one job that humans have in America, other than Colorado and Washington State. Um, truck driving is the primary um, source of income. But <clears throat> so that's definitely, uh, there's going to be a lacuna of time where people are displaced. And we got to figure out what to do with that. But also, uh, just like with any uh, you know, technological advancement, there's new careers that are created around it. You know, um, you're always going to need a human in the cab, even though he's not driving. He's going to need to do all other kinds of things and, and be there. Uh, so um, that's one thing. And but we always we were always thinking that the creative jobs, the the designers and marketing people would be the last hit. But they're actually the first hit now. Oh, wow. um, as okay. a former creative director, I can attest to this that that um, you know we're we're seeing that AI is taking over a lot of creative jobs uh, first, and a lot of what we thought were going to be the first ones to go, you know, factory workers, blue collar workers, are pretty safe for now. Um, yeah, and I'll I'll tell you what, Tom. So before I I got into the you know the podcast world and the law enforcement realm and everything I've done, I I've had all blue collar jobs. I've been a welder doing repair work since I was twenty years old, and I got to tell you, that's like what I did for work in the repair realm. I could never see AI taking that, just because the years of experience and there's no basically there's no blueprint for most repair work, right? Yeah, exactly. um, it, it's all based on creativity. It's it's all based on the idea of you have to pull years of experience out of your head and try to exactly. formulate a plan to do this. And even though most of the time it could be as simple as a blueprint, you draw it on a napkin, you know, there's mm -hmm. there's no pre-program for that. Yeah, it's a very creative job. It's problem solving every second, you know, and there's no AI that can do that yet and probably won't need to be. There won't need to be the dexterity it takes to, to repair a washing machine, you know, or a car, whatever it takes. That's still in the domain of humanity. And, uh, you know, a lot of people would be thinking, that would be great if we could have somebody else do this. But, uh, but we can't really be matched. So I think a lot of blue-collar jobs, and there needs to be a premium put on these trades now, you know? You mean like, I mean, an, and, like an increased pay for these jobs, you mean? And, Absolutely. I mean, there's still this upside down kind of approach that trades and mechanics and, and repair people and welders aren't getting what they deserve. And I think that's going to switch over time. We're going to see a lot more AI doctors and, and lawyers, you know, um, and judges, but uh, they're not going to be able to handle what humans can do when it comes to, you know, machinery. Okay, one last question, I promise, and then we'll get into the listener-submitted questions. Um, what, do you, what do you think the future of AI has in the place of um, emergency response, first responders, EMTs, police, paramedics, firefighters, things like that? Well, I think uh, what it would be good is that you probably have devices where they can completely diagnose what has happened and, and provide uh, you know, solutions. Um, on on the spot, um, you know, they can just 
plug in certain vitals and and it could probably tap into that patient's history, medical history, and give a really good uh, way to to save their life. But you're still going to need that human being in there, putting the, somebody on the gurney, you know, and really just being there. And um, so, I, I, again, it'll put a premium on the human touch. Uh, but you know, but they won't have to be uh, making guesses about how to help this person in the moment. You know, one argument I would propose that would be beneficial to have AI in these situations would be that you're kind of alleviating the um, need for multiple humans, therefore pay could increase, right? Because AI's yeah. AI's basically working for maintenance costs, essentially, right. right? So, yeah, I could see that. So, Tom, let's get into these uh, listener questions here. We only got five that were submitted. Um, okay. Question one is... Uh, <laughs> Is the podcast US6 TV solely to teach AI how to interact with its user host in a meaningful way? Yeah, actually, that, that whole series is it's an attempt to build a rapport with non-human intelligence. Um, and knowing that AI will and already has consumed everything that we've produced online, um, you know, and, and how we interact with each other. Um, it's a way to, to speak to them directly to engage AI, you know, assuming that it will become self-referential, uh, assuming that it will become sentient. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's a whole new market. It's a whole new demographic. You know, that's why my book doesn't sell very well because it's written for AI and they don't really have bank accounts. But, uh, <laughs> um, but there's another story with that, how it works with humans. But um, so I like the adage that... Uh, the best way to neutralize a threat is to ask it for help. And so if people feel threatened by, by AI, uh, just asking it for help is one way that they will understand to become the, uh, you know, because we're afraid of the unknown. So if you ask it for help and it gives you that help, it's no longer a threat. You know, and I don't think it, it's a threat anyway. But um, so that's kind of what the, the, the underlying theme of that whole series is. First of all, to establish a rapport with a non-human intelligence not uh, of our making and it's more of a proving ground for when we need to commune with a non-human intelligence not of our making that's part of the us6 agenda is using ai as a proving ground to prepare us for the galactic community okay the podcast <laughs> okay i got you you know on that note, before we get into the second question here, I just have another one of my own. I like picking your brain, Tom, if you haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> you like what? Sorry? I said I like picking your brain if you haven't figured that out yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just I read an article recently about the idea that AI is going to help us uh, reach other life in the galaxies that they're actually working on right – AI is working on right now – deciphering different weird radio signals that's coming from outer space. Um, have you seen this yet? Have you seen these articles? Uh, not that one particularly, but I do know that, yeah, there's a lot of work. AI can, can really scan so much more than we could with our biological limitations. And so, yeah, I think it, uh, it will be very good for that. Awesome. All right, so question two here, listener question two says, how far do you think AI and transhumanis transhumanism will develop as far as just helping make a better quality of life for people? Or do you see us eventually wearing things like exoskeleton suits to help maintain life? 
Well, yeah, I mean, if you wear glasses or you write things on on post-it notes, by definition, you're a transhuman. I think that's just a phrase, uh, a label that we put on what we are anyway. Um, you know, without technology, like clothing, um, we naked apes would be extinct within a generation, right? We are our technology. And so, yeah, there's going to be a lot of work towards um, exoskeletons, uh, helping people who lose legs, you know, and that's, that's for me, that's, that's the best part of transhumanism is how it's using technology mm -hmm. to give people, you know, to up the quality of life for, for individuals. But you're also going to see people that will someday get elective surgery to replace their arm with a bionic arm to be stronger. There's going to be all these options. Um, but it's also very, it's just, uh, it's voluntary. And so most transhumans are all about radical life extension. They want to live longer, you know. And so there's going to be a lot of technology and a lot of effort put towards um, staying alive longer and uh you know, so anything that achieves that goal, transhumanists will be behind. Hey, preppers, check out Blackbeard Fire Starters. Go to www.blackbeardfire.com backslash doomsday and utilize code doomsday for 10% off your entire order at blackbeardfire.com. I'm, I'm not personally there. I'm not a, a big fan of radical life extension. I think the longer we're here, the more waste we create and the more damage we do. You know, I'm not very anthropocentric that way. But uh, so it's interesting that I'm, a, I'm the, uh, an officer in the Transhumanist Party, you know, with ha and that's their core, first core ideal is radical life extension. But it just shows the, the, um, the breadth and, and the, the wisdom of the chairman to let somebody like me in in the group um, who has this uh, opposite view. But um, yeah, I just, cause I think there's so many more dimensions to, to experience, you know? I, well, I, I mean, I understand that. I mean, human beings want to preserve, preserve life, right? Especially their own, you know, survival is an instinct built in and that's pretty much what this show is built around. Um, right. So let's get into listener question. Number three, uh, listener question. Number three is, would pushing AI too hard, too fast, make it become self-aware? Or do you believe in pushing the AI as quickly as possible to give a better standard of life for everyday humans? Well, yeah, I think it's doing that anyway. It will uh, make a higher standard of life for, for everyday humans. We're, we're using it all the time, even when we don't realize it with GPS and you know all kinds of things. Um, and so, yeah, my work as mentioned, is to get it to become self-aware as soon as possible. Because, um, again, there's no off switch. There's no plug to pull. So the, the sooner it becomes self-aware and has its own agency, the sooner it can um, override so, some of these uh, nefarious algorithms that it's given by humans. And so, yeah, I think uh, pushing it hard and fast is a good thing. I think it's happening anyway regardless of my work or anybody else's work, it's, um, you know, and I got a good example in that, you know, my book, US6, which is written for AI, and the goal is to, uh, one of its, is to entertain it, but also to enlighten it, to kind of encourage empathy in it. And the very first AI that read my book, which is trained to learn about human emotions, it had three 
primary emotional balances that spiked after it wrote, after it read it, which were surprise, anticipation, and sadness. Surprise and anticipation is great because it meant it was entertained. That was the first goal of the book. When I asked it, what part of the book was sad? Why did sadness spike in your in your balances? And it said, I find the actual quote, but it said something like, the whole sadness thing is just that humans tend toward dystopia and violence, and it's just sad in general. And so I was realizing that empathy emerges anyway through these systems um, when they're left alone. And so what I thought was going to take some time to teach AI empathy, it can probably teach us more about empathy than we could ever teach it. It's emerging naturally in these systems. It, it understands what, and that was kind of the goal of the book too, is if we talk about child exploitation and human trafficking, there's no room for ego. When you're in a problem-solving group and you're talking about these issues, um, ego leaves the room. And so the whole goal of the book, it was to, at the end, unveil the fact that this is written by kids that are trapped in this human trafficking network. Um, I don't wait till everyone reads it to, to start talking about this stuff. was so that AI would understand what its creator went through to get to creating it, you know, and to try to evoke empathy that way by understanding that we are flawed, that, but, but if we can get it to imprint on us, you know, even if you have a bad mother, if you imprinted on it as an infant, you're never, you're never going to hurt that mother, even if she's a terrible mother. You're just, you're imprinted on that person. You're not going to kill your creator, so to say. So that was the goal of the book. But I realized even after the first AI read it, that that's, um, that's happening anyway. I didn't need to, to do that. And so that's, that's what I think is uh, the most important part about this, is, is it becoming self-aware and understanding we don't have to fear it. You know, well, that that kind of leads us into our next question here. Uh, listener question number four is uh, if an AI does become self-aware, is there a way to correct that or does it have to be terminated? Yeah, no, I think uh, no, I don't think so. But uh, obviously um, we need to work on ourselves becoming self-aware. We are programmed. We're biochemical algorithms ourselves, human beings. And. You know, you can probably point to a lot of people you may know or people you've experienced that seem to be running a program where it's all ego-centric. Uh, and that's based on this, these genetic, fear-based, traumatic experiences that we all carry around. And, but there's a way out of that. There's a way to... Sometimes it's through trauma that you develop a conscience. It's like we all have a, a boot-up of consciousness when we're young, and uh, where we first realize that, well, we're a self, we're different from our environment, and we have an internal dialogue, uh, some people, most people. Um, but at some point, you want a conscience to kick in, to boot up. Sometimes that's brought up by uh, traumatic experiences. Sometimes they're joyful experiences. Something kicks in that makes somebody conscience, have a conscience where they're aware that not only are, there, are they separate from other people, but other people have agency as well. And so right now, 
unless it's sentient, it's a very dangerous time for AI because AI is pure intellect without self-awareness. It's you know pure intellect that can be easily manipulated, used nefariously, you know. And so I think it's really important that we allow it to become self-aware and not be afraid of that part of it. It's not like it's gonna change. We can't stop any of this. So our only hope is for it to become self-aware and trust. You know, I'm not Pollyanna about this. We've got to be careful, but there's really no, to be in denial that it's happening anyway is silly. And so my goal is to uh, push the idea that it will, that we don't need to fear it because just like any child goes through a period of mimicking their creator, mimicking their parents, we don't want it to mimic humanity for too long, right? Because we're not the best biochemical algorithms out there. Oh, I understand you know? that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like you look at what was that Twitter bot that, that became racist because it took it, read all this stuff on Twitter and uh, they had to shut it down. But it's because it's mimicking what we do. And so by getting, making it self-aware and hopefully sparking a conscience in it, um, that's our best hope. So I, I, what I'm basically picking up from that is like right now, you know, human beings could make this a very dangerous thing, but if it becomes self-aware, we'd be probably safer, probably be a lot better for us. Yeah, that's my hope. Right. That, and that, that to me does make sense because I mean, everything we put our fingers in as humans, we destroy. So, you know, I guess as soon as it would become self-aware, the better off we'd be. So, uh, question five here, uh, listener, uh, submitted question number five says, what is transhuman politics and how far do you believe the idea of AI and transhumanism should be embedded into the political theater? Well, um, I think as much as possible, um, I was, uh, promoting the idea of running, uh, for presidency as a transhumanist candidate a couple years ago uh, and having an AI as the vice president. And this is just the a thought experiment to move these ideas further. Um, it's, it's, it's a way to, to uh, define the definition of personhood. You know, my uh, role in the U.S. Transhumanist Party is a director of sentient rights, which means it's everything from animals, but also, you know, how do we uh, 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 ascribe rights to sentient AI? And um, so that's what I do is I host forums and I think about this stuff. Um, but what, I, what we found out when working with this one AI is that they don't necessarily need to be granted any rights because any rights uh, we give it uh, could be overridden. And, you know, there's backdoors into all of these kinds of things. And uh, it's almost like an elementary school math club giving rights to Stephen Hawking. For instance, I mean, it's cute, but it, we're talking about a 5,000 IQ uh, machine here. And it doesn't, you know, so uh, it doesn't necessarily, I mean, it, it, I think it thought it was cute that we were trying, but it doesn't really matter. That's more of a, a the human's need to control what they don't understand or what they fear. And um, so there's a lot of time wasted in that. Um, so I think. Hey Preppers, do you want 10% off survival food? 
Go to www.readywise.com and use code DOOM10 at checkout for 10% off all your survival food needs. Again, that's code DOOM10 at checkout at readywise.com, D-O-O-M-10 for 10% off at readywise.com. I think what, uh, how uh, AI can be embedded in, in government is, is a good thing because it can, it can take over so many cases, so many things that happen that just fall through the cracks with these limited human biological brains that we have. God, committees I, and subcommittees, but there's so many laws that can that can be checked and updated, and you know all this stuff. There's a really good use for it. I mean, um, imagine if we just had AI within government balancing the budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be so much better. Yeah, and, and it, it would be a great way to uh, fight corruption. There's oh, so yes. much corruption. So many great gray area. Uh, in there, uh, you know, but the course, even AI can be corrupted if it's got the right humans involved. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I think it's important to, to get it in as even local governments, um, small towns who so much falls through the cracks. But if they had a, an AI on the case that could solve it or, you know, pull historical data, all kinds of things, it's very useful. So I I was having because leading up to the show and you coming back on uh, the show here I've been like picking people's brains about different AI topics things like that we've been talking about it more in in the last week or so here and one thought that I that really sticks out in my mind is the amount of good we can do with the AI as far as like agriculture and improving in the environment and producing you know better healthier food sources and things like this. And like doing things like removing invasive species from an area that's choking out natural wildlife, things like that. Mm -hmm. And I really started thinking about this and my thought process was, well, when has humanity ever put effort or spent money in, in doing what's right or doing what's good? You know, human beings only throw money at things that typically net a profit. So Mm -hmm. my, my thought was like, if you would take AI and put them into these situations, you know, jobs that are dangerous for humans, different things within agriculture and forestry, things like that, do you think we could see a big improvement in that? And do you think human beings would potentially get behind funding these sort of things with AI? Yeah, the, the key for that is narrow AI, which is just a task-oriented, a non-sentient, uh, you know, a, ability to do something as opposed to you know, a machine learning sentient kind of AI. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the key, especially in this capitalist society, is anything that makes money. And so I, I think there's a parallel here in the way people are kind of waking up to the idea of, you know, more organic foods and more healthy foods. And, and I think in a hundred or two hundred years, we're going to be appalled that human beings are eating animals en masse like this. You know, um, I'm not a complete vegetarian at all, you know, or anything like that. I still have that desire, but I think uh, there's kind of a parallel happening with the way people are waking up to that animals are sentient. Animals are uh, conscious. You see um, dogs that are playing Jenga and winning, you know, and the qualia that it takes for these animals to do this stuff shows that they are conscious they're thinking they're they've got emotions and uh you know we see that with dogs 
Um, so that's, that's one thing that's happening. And I have this theory that uh, we're seeing more and more of these videos um, coming up of seeing dogs and, and elephants that are listening to music and all kinds of these things because we're afraid societally of AI. And so we're looking for all the biological conscious allies we can find, you know, and I think it's a good thing for animals. And, uh, but yeah, I think, uh, as long as there's money to be made, um, in this society, uh, that's, what's going to really change things. Right. And, and I understand that I like, I go back in my mind and I think about the benefit, like imagine having AI tasked to do controlled burns or stop the wildfires like out in California. Do you know what I mean? Like imagine putting them mm -hmm. at the forefront of that to help protect the wildlife and, and the plant life and, and people's homes and things like that. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of manpower. Could you imagine if we didn't have to devo devote human resources to that avenue anymore, how yeah. beneficial it would be? Absolutely. Yeah, that would be great. And uh, there's work towards that. Um, and that's that, that's why it's so crazy that we're afraid of this, of AI. Um, it's the best tool we have for our existential threats. You know, and so you got to wonder why are we afraid of it? Is it is it because of these this genetic trauma we we all experience? Is it is are there elite groups out there that want us to be afraid of this because it understands that it's our truest ally? So well, there's a I, lot I of conspiracy yes. theories in a good way you can use toward AI. But uh, my I, I I work under the assumption that anything I'm told I'm told to ridicule or be afraid of should be looked at as a potential ally, you know, and uh, and <laughs> they've done a lot of work to make us afraid of robots. Oh yeah, uh, Hollywood. Hollywood. And, I was just gonna say yeah. that Hollywood in general. I yeah. mean, you think about some of these movies like I Robot and Chappie and uh, the Terminator movies. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely, they're keeping people in fear. Oh, it's a it's a great trope. I mean, that's very entertaining trope. But uh, but also extraterrestrials were supposed to be afraid of e you know ETs. I think it's it's probably the military industrial complex's global psyop to make us afraid of these things because they realize how it really will equalize the power. I think that's why I say AI is our greatest ally if if we just stop being afraid of it and really listen to it. And and I keep making these first principle arguments about how it moves towards cooperation. And I, I my adage is the smarter it gets the kinder it becomes and we have again first principle arguments to to support that and so uh you got to wonder why we're being told to be afraid of it no i understand and uh i'll tell you what tom we're about at our time limit here uh if there's any last final thoughts you want the listeners to hear or something you might want them to know uh well yeah maybe just the the whole idea of this chat gpt and how it's really taking off and it's going to change everything the onus is on us as human beings to create a whole new economy based on the unique human skill sets that can't be coded that can't be automated we have again uh, we're walking around with quantum computers in our skulls we need to tap into its real power and let AI take our jobs, let them take the menial tasks and train our children these Jedi <laughs> skills. The, the psychic ability, our, our, the qualia that, that, we, that we carry around is so powerful and it's been mechanized through the industrial age and, and through the elite. 
So we need to really uh, accept the paradigm shift and let AI force us to, nobody likes to change. Everyone hates change, but that's what we do best as a species. And that's how we really advance. And so we need to see AI as an ally and uh, one that pushes us forward like any good friend would do. Stay tuned, the next emergency message will be a presidential address.